Hello, friends, and welcome to the Brother Cousins podcast. We're here today continuing our series of Take Heed Statements of Jesus in the Gospels. And today, Jared, Jeffrey, and myself, Christopher, are going to tackle Jesus' warning about drunkenness and excess. So if you're following along or would like to look at the source material, you can reference Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, where we find the warning that Jesus gives us. So we're just going to start by going there over to Luke 21 and 34 to see what his warning is, maybe talk about the context a little bit, and then talk about what the warning is and how there's some other passages in the scripture that also speak to this idea and how we can make an application and maybe why it's so important. So those are some things that we're going to talk about today. So going to Luke 21 and 34, Jesus says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So, providing the context, and I think Jeffrey pre-call, you mentioned that this warning from Jesus comes right on the heels of the Olivet Discourse, right? He's talking about all the, the catastrophic, cataclysmic events that he had foretold, and then he kind of encaps it with a warning of, hey, this stuff may be bad, it may be depressing, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. But Jesus' warning is that the answer is not to just throw up your hands and give up and devolve into drunkenness and excess is what dissipation means. And I think that really this idea of kind of giving up and just letting things go and giving in to all your carnal lusts is in some sense a hallmark of American meme culture. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> and I guess maybe I should give an example of what I mean. I, I saw a uh, a meme that was a comment about a news story. It said, man dies after eating 413 chicken McNuggets. And the comment was, so the limit is 412. <laughs> if that's your takeaway, then you've reached the wrong takeaway. And it just seems, you know, I'm out there and I see humorous memes that are just shared by young people, but it seems to be just kind of glorifying this idea of that the height of achievement as a human is to live a kind of life that will allow you just enough resources to be incredibly lazy and selfish and to not do anything. And while we can kind of ha ha laugh, yeah, it's fun to be lazy sometimes. When that becomes the overall tenor of the American consciousness, we're like, we're, we're done. It's bad. And I think what Jesus is calling us to is to kind of reject this idea of wholesale laziness and excess and just cons maybe not even consumerism, but consumptionism. Yeah. And, you know, we, we see that in every industry where the common talk, yeah, I just got back from a Cotton Generous conference and a common refrain throughout the conference was it's hard to find labor. It's hard to find labor. 
And because of that, we're moving to a ton of automation. I mean, you, you can almost automate from the module feeder to the press coming out the back, even pulling samples and, and marking on the bagging the cottons. You just need someone to load it at that point. And, you know, years ago, I don't know how many of you will remember the movie Wally. Yes. And I, I've never watched the movie all the way through. I just, anyway. That I know what looks, you mean. Looks like it's a goal for us to be the humans on the ships in Wally, where, you know, you just ride a scooter around and someone feeds you. And I, I just can't fathom that being a goal and and it's this thought process of you want to figure out how to make the most money possible doing the least amount possible instead of doing something you enjoy and enjoying your work and understanding that god made us to do that and and there's a popular song that came out i actually don't even know when it came out that talks about all the drugs that we're on and all the people that are on these drugs and that idea has just become rampant. And a lot of it is caused by the fact that we're created with purpose and for purpose. And we're largely trying to do everything we can to escape that purpose. And it's depressing. It's sickening. Like literally it makes you sick. And we, we just want to, take a pill to make it better. And now, not that there's not valid reason to, to take medication, but the, that's not the point of the song. It's not the point I'm making. So I don't want to confuse the two, but this, and, and you're absolutely right. We capture it in memes, but there is a reality to this that Jesus warns us plainly about in living in drunkenness and dissipation. I think this is something we've talked about before how glib our society has become about alcohol consumerism. And I mean, we see just the fallout from one beer advertising campaign and the millions of dollars they lost because there's that much being consumed. Yeah. I've, I've thought it's humorous um, of all the, the people who claim to be Christians that are, boycotting a certain beer company because of their promotion of the LBGTQ environment. And I'm like, well, I've been boycotting because they sell beer. <laughs> that's a Christian stuff. But yeah, that's only my take. But yeah, well, this, this goal and, and, you know, Jared, to speak to your idea. Yeah. There are people whose goal, because it's, it's almost a response because they've seen Gen X grow up and bust their tail to work hard and get a lot of stuff. And it's almost a rebellion against that. They think that, well, we're not able to do what the previous generation did. So now my goal is I'm just going to own nothing and be happy about it. And I'll just live to provide myself the kind of comforts, the kind of clothes. I mean, there are people who have clothes and electronics and stuff that are worth more than my car, but those people don't have a car to get to work or to have any kind of a mobile life, you know, and it's just um, a shifting in priorities. I just want to make myself as comfortable as I can. 
And I, that's all. I don't need any ambition beyond that. It's not really, I want to, I want to live this full life to further civilization and bless others. It's just, I want enough so I can indulge my fleshly desires until I die. And it's just sad. Yeah. And it's, it's a distraction. And I think that's the point Jesus is getting here or rather getting at here, this dissipation, drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. You're, you're just distracted. And, you know, I guess it's a good time to caveat. It's not wrong to be comfortable. It's not wrong to have the creature comforts that we can enjoy in this life. And and we actually talked about that in a previous episode. The idea is from Ecclesiastes where God has given wealth and the ability to consume. That's a blessing. But what are we driving our life after? So we can work ourselves to death to, to get stuff and that's wrong or we can swing the pendulum the exact opposite direction and get by on dregs because I'm I'm just unwilling to do anything but worry about the cares of this life and, and live a life of dissipation and drunkenness exist yeah yeah yeah, and this whole idea of making your your pretty base animal desires. I mean, really, when I talk about this this subset of internet culture, which is I think a reflection of of culture at large, is you know I want enough, I want enough booze, I want enough drugs, I want enough food, I want enough sex, and I want enough physical comfort to make my life enjoyable for me. However, I can get those things and I'll just do that. And that's the purpose of my life. And it's reflected in things that you, I mean, you just look at what people buy and look what things are marketed to people like Febreze. Can I go on a tear about Febreze for just a minute? It's a product that's designed to make things not stink. It was literally discovered by accident by a chemist who smoked cigarettes. And one day he spilled this compound he was working with on his clothing. And his he, when he came home, his wife's like, you don't smell like cigarette smoke. And he put the connection together. The trick is that the Febreze didn't actually make the odor go away. It just prevented her nose from being able to smell it. It still stank. She just didn't know. And I'm like, people using Febreze, I'm like, did you try cleaning? But but I'd rather spray I'd rather spray the miracle liquid and I know that's kind of a silly example but it's kind of indicative of the kind of products that drive American consumptionism and it's I just find it off putting. Well, you know, you guys have have been talking about this a little bit and it just has made me think of a quote and roughly paraphrased. It's that the majority of the inventions that we have stem from the desire for laziness. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that, I believe that, that encapsulate that quoted encapsulates what you guys are talking about here is that we want to make life easy. We want to take the easy way out. And so that drives innovative processes and inventions in a way that facilitates that manner. Yeah. So, you know, we 
you've probably heard the quote, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, the, the furtherage of that quote is, if necessity is the mother of invention, laziness is the father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've often thought, guys, about, I mean, all the modern conveniences. I mean, while I sit here recording a podcast, I'm looking across the house and I see a machine that's washing the dishes for me. And then the other room is a machine that washes my clothes for me. And there's another machine that keeps my house at whatever temperature I want. While there's a, a, I'm looking at three other machines that cook my food if I want. And if you would have talked to someone 200 years ago and told them that I have a machine that does all this, they would think that we had all the time in the world to do whatever we want. And we can either yeah. use that time as like a, a an, an efficiency or a productivity multiplier and say, yeah, I don't have that burden. So guess what I can do? Netflix or maybe provide a better standard of living and blessing for those who depend on me. Right. But yeah, it's amazing the things that we have that get us time that would have been consumed with grueling labor 200 years ago. And I don't think that's bad because humans aren't super good at sterilizing dishes, but my dishwasher is. Um, but I think that we just have to really put these things into perspective and not turn these blessings into curses. And right. I'm I'm reminded of a passage that Paul wrote uh, to the Philippians in Philippians 3 and 18. He said, for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ and their end is destruction. So I'm going to stop there and think, OK, Paul is talking about the kind of people who can make him weep, keep him up at night, enemies of the cross. You might think these are really, really bad people. They must be like murderers and kidnappers and extortioners, right? But he says, no, their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. We talked in the last episode about how one of the dangers of covetousness is that it is called idolatry in other passages of scripture. And in this one, Paul says, someone who walks like these people walk, they, they create a God out of their belly because your God is whatever you serve. Whatever gets your attention, gets your worship. And so satisfying their fleshly urges became their idol. And people like that are enemies. Not only that, they take glory in their shameful activity. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, this idea of almost being boastful about how lazy you can be. is It's just anti-Jesus all the way around because it's a focus on the earthly. You know, Christopher, I think that there's there's two things here. You know, number one, um, I, I believe that's just a, a case profile for humanity in general. Yeah. Is uh, to your point, we we want to worship something. Jared mentioned that in the pre-recording aspect of this, but um, we are such a, a creation that is driven by desire that that's what we're going to fixate on. And that's what we try to fill our belly with. And so 
you know, this is a natural temptation, which is, uh, which is why I believe, you know, Jesus warns us to take heed about falling into this particular trap because it's so easy to, mm-hmm. um, the other aspect of this, I think that that's one of the reasons why in our society, we spend so much time bragging about how busy we are. I don't know if you've noticed that trend, but we all brag about, you know, I've got this going on and this going on, this going on, this going on, because a couple of things are at play there. Number one, it justifies why we have all these things that help us be more efficient and so on, because what that does is it frees up the, the time needed to really devote ourselves to what we want to devote ourselves to and be busy with the things that we want to be busy with. And it is the God, it's us feeding our own belly. You know, Jeffrey, that idea of being common in human nature, it's the lie Satan told Eve. You can be your own God. And we're searching for these things that are going to be fulfilling and believing this lie that we can be our own God. And the whole time, it's just a distraction. We're, we're having our attention turned every which way, except for towards God and heaven and his purposes. And we, we see it on both sides. So we've talked about the, the sluggards and, and we could actually swing the pendulum the other direction and talk about something that's real common on social media right now, which is the alpha males. And this idea of being an alpha male and carousing and, you know, the glory and their shame, they're, they're talking about all the partying they do and the lifestyle they lead, which we see as debauchery. And that's, you know, held up to young men as a standard to be sought after and not to leave out because I'm equal opportunity, not to leave our ladies out. It's what we largely see in third wave feminism, taking on roles that God didn't mean for the woman to have. And, and, you know, the argument can be made that they're having to fill roles because they've been vacated and and then you're in a chicken and egg conversation, but it doesn't matter because we're, we're have our minds set on earthly things. We're distracted. We don't see God's purposes at work. We're not looking for God's purposes at work. We're not trying to be laborers in his kingdom. We're, we're set on the ideas of, of man, and we're just constantly having our heads jerked every direction because you, you do this for long enough, and, okay, that's not right, so let's quit doing that, and we'll go way over here and start doing this. Well, that's not right either because we're missing where God is. Yeah, Jared, that makes me think of uh... – the grind, the grind set, right? The grind set uh-huh. mindset of, yep. you know, I'm going to go, you know, wake up at four in the morning and go to the gym and then go to, go to the job and kill it. And then I'm going to go get in my crazy car and all the women and the partying and all that stuff. And just like, and there's also an inflated pride that comes with all of that too, of, of the guys who can't do or won't do what they do. Uh, it makes me think of, the guy who's been in the news recently, Andrew Tate, who's yes, he was uh, in mind. Yeah, he is kind of like the poster child for alpha male grind set hedonism right now. 
And I'm troubled by him in particular because there is a lot of young guys who look up to him because he has some decent ideas. I mean, he has some ideas that really speak to like recapturing masculinity, which is an important recurring theme on this podcast and is a needed voice. But the way he does it is not honorable toward women whom he doesn't really respect. Uh, and it doesn't treat them in a God honoring way. He He's not, a, in my opinion, a righteous man from what I can see that people say that he does. So in some ways, he is providing an example of masculinity, the only one that some young men will look at. But it's not a well-rounded and mature masculinity, which is what young men need to see. The kind of masculinity that is a servant and not just a, um, you know, the grind set boss man. They need to see a man who will sacrifice, not just for himself, but for somebody else. Right. And, you know, we, we're we getting into something here that is kind of a hobby horse for me. It's, it's a pet topic. But something is going to be your God. And, and mm-hmm. I think we do well in Christianity to consider and I think we've talked about this before. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant. We don't have Noah's Ark. We don't need those things, but we do have the book of Genesis. And and there's some something to consider there and why that was preserved and why I think the hand of God was at work in getting that to us. And, and in my opinion, one of the reasons is that it matters how we were created. And we were created for the purpose of being God's image bearers in this earth to worship God god and the reality is while satan lies to us and says you can be your own god and we make our belly our gods thus we're under the control of our lusts and desires instead of under god's control something is going to be our god period and we spend so much time i I love how jesus says it in luke that our hearts are weighed down and thus we're back to these ideas of medicating either by alcohol or illicit drugs, or just normal prescription drugs, when the problem is is not necessarily from the body, but the body's a symptom of a greater need, and that's our spirit yearning for getting lined up where it belongs. Yeah. Amen, brother. Uh, it, it is that self-medication. And there's this idea that men of a certain age, you know, once they get to a certain age, that they're going to... Um, they're going to medicate somehow and it's either going to be booze or younger women or faster cars or working out or grilling various meats. Right. I mean, (laughs) there's just, there's just all kinds of ways that people think that men are going to medicate and they do if they don't have something to focus and and strive for that's more important than themselves. Copious amounts of coffee doesn't count. Does it? Hey, you stop preaching at me. Now you're just meddling. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we have to watch ourselves because that's the one I didn't say. Right? Well, and I mean, that's, I don't know how much I drink in a day, but I, I love coffee, but you know, and, and so bring this back around to some ideas that you hit on because we can see the radical examples, right? We, we've hit a lot of radical examples. Right. We don't always see the things that hit a little closer to home. Yeah, good point. Um, one one thing we talked about, I, I recently got back from 
a conference and, and, you know, we were near the sea and I love seafood. Um, I, I, my preference is steak, but when I've got a chance to have fresh fish that I don't always get, I'm, I'm going to take it. And so I ate a bunch of fresh shrimp and some fresh fish and some fresh crab and loved it. And then I knew I was coming home to do this episode and thought, <laughs> oh boy. Um, because I, I do spend a lot of my living on food. Sure. More than just food to sustain me. And, it, and if you've seen me recently, you can tell that I'm eating way more than is necessary to sustain me. Um, and it's, it's these things where, again, the, the problem with these things is that they distract. Yeah. And these things can come to distract, you know, Christopher, you talked about grilling of meats and, and that thing I've recently taken up smoking some briskets and, and I love it. It's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm doing it old school style where I'm, I'm using woods and on a offset smoker. And so I'm having to babysit it. And it's one of those things, you know, hey, I can, I can leave this, but generally when I start, it keeps me up all hours of the night. And, um, I will just say I, I enjoy it, but I also loved or love smoked brisket. So, well, I wasn't specifically mentioning oh, your your recent affinity for smoking delicious meats, which I hope at some point in the future to be a beneficiary of. However, I was actually referencing another meme that I saw on the internet. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So th- the idea of it being a distraction, Jared. Paul commands in Ephesians 5 and 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It's kind of like there's this old Far East Asian proverb, um, you know, about the the man who wanted to become a tea master. And he went to go talk to another tea master, and this young man was just talking and talking and and saying everything that he knew. And meanwhile, to prove the point, the tea master says, would you like to pour me a cup of tea? And the guy said, yes. And he just goes on talking and he filled the tea cup and he kept pouring and kept pouring and it spilled everywhere. And the young man says, what are you doing? And basically the old tea master wanted to prove the point to the younger that it's really kind of hard to fill a cup that's already full. And we get so full on everything in our life, whether it be entertainment or whether it be our job, satisfaction, even in our family or a hobby, that we don't hunger for the things of the Spirit or hunger for the things of Christ. And Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. But there's a lot of folks who never even think about getting hungry for the meat of hung, of of righteousness because they're spoiled their appetite on the desserts of what the life has to offer. Well, and we spend so much time having our heads turned on this current event, this major topic. I mean, think about the past month we've had of course, already the war in Ukraine, the Russian Civil War, the submarine accident, and and all of these things going on. Oops, and civil then, unrest in France. Yeah, civil unrest in France. Oh, Canadian wildfires. 
yeah and and the things related to those but it's it's all of this stuff getting your attention and and with that there's these messages of what you need to be doing and how you need to be handling yourself and the world's perspective worldly things earthly things of what you should be in light of all of this and we didn't even get into all of the the protests and and boycotts and and just constant distraction and it's a world that is seeking a way to be fulfilled mm. because we all want that and and that's not wrong we're made to desire to be fulfilled but god says here's how you do it it's in me i am what fills all in all and he promises that fulfillment Jesus gives this promise at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. There's a desire there to be fulfilled. There's the illusion there of eating and drinking on purpose because you'll be filled. We can find this fulfillment. We're not going to find it in being alpha males or dogging on trad wives. We're going to find it in being these people that God has made us to be finding our purpose, which is to serve others, which is, you know, we, we can be busy. God wants us to be busy, but it's busy doing the right things. It's busy having our attention in the right place and understanding the reason for what we do is not to seek fulfillment, but rather that fulfillment comes from seeking God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's, you know, to the point of the glorification of busyness that I think Jeffrey brought up. We need to be using our time wisely. We need to be doing things that are worthwhile. But, you know, I felt that like in the last couple of weeks that I've been a little too overcommitted, overcommitted, even with good things. You can be overcommitted with good things and you can omit better things and it's uh it's difficult because we do want to be busy and we do want to say yes but what we what we do is we have to make sure that we're saying yes to the right things the old saying is if you want something done give it to a busy person because they are doing things the the decision for followers of jesus is not what can i do but what must i do and we have to be strategic and use good discernment about the things that we choose to, to give our time, our talent, and our treasure. Because it doesn't matter all the good works and organizations and activities and stuff that we can get in, engaged in to bless our community if we're not engaged in the work of the gospel. Right. You know, we can we can make sure that we end hunger, you know, in our community. But what if our next door neighbor dies without Jesus? Yep. I think in addition to that, Christopher, I'm going to take some thoughts that both you and Jared have had and kind of blend them a little bit, if you will. So you think about Luke 21, mm -hmm. um, our base text here. Essentially, what Jesus says is the solution to being weighed down with this dissipation and drunkenness is to stay awake at all times, praying that you might have strength to escape 
the things that are going to take place in reference to the Son of Man and, and standing before the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. You brought up a passage in Ephesians 5 earlier that I wanted to zoom out from that verse and look at the context a little bit. Absolutely. So if you go back to verse 14, it says that anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the aspect here is this wake up mentality is make sure that you are making the changes that are necessary in order for you to be walking in the light according to the spirit rather than following the path of darkness and the ways of the flesh. And he, he, there's a lot packed into that, but he does exactly where he says exactly what Jesus says and what you're saying, which is replace it with the things that are needful. And he specifically talks about edifying one another through the worship that we may have together in songs and submitting ourselves to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ out of reverence to Jesus. So there's a lot there in the way that we need to wake up. We need to be awake at all times in order to prevent us from falling into this complacency the laziness, the dissipation, the debauchery, all the things that we've talked about previously on this episode. There's right, some yeah. Sermon on the Mount teaching here. Jesus' teaching is where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And as we've talked about both sides of the, the pendulum, the the extreme cases on on, you know, the extremely busy to get lots of stuff or the the sluggard that wants to do as little as possible and then just deaden himself to it. They're, they're focused on the wrong area. Their focus is themselves in both cases. And the emphasis starting in Ephesians four and, and before that is out in the community of the believers and, and what work the community of the believers is to accomplish in the world and the highest and best use of your time, which is actually what the sermon on the Mount is about the highest and best use of your life is to give that life over to God. Um, the the Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness type mentality. And so we have Jesus giving these words. We have Paul explaining further how to do this. And the warning is the same from both. Live with your head on a swivel. Be awake. See what's going on around you and be ready to serve. You're not trying to figure out you know, and I deal with a lot of, not a lot of traders. I, I follow a lot of traders on social media to kind of see where the cotton market's going to know what to do. But that's not the kind of following we're doing with the world. We're not trying to figure out where to buy or sell stock. We're trying to figure out where to serve and, and meet needs. And that's the fulfillment that we'll find, that we should find in this life, is a fulfillment of worship to God, 
our knees are bent ever before him. And part of the way we do that is how we serve our fellow man. Okay, so let's pivot for just a moment to talk about the idea of normalizing these behaviors of consumptionism. I just wanted to get that word in one more time tonight because it is prevalent in the culture. We've talked about how it's it's a big part of internet culture. There are a lot of social media influencers who try to influence men and women, especially young men and women, to just strive for this lifestyle of excess and booze and drugs and all that stuff. And that's just really kind of the pinnacle of achievement. If you can attain a, an income stream or a lifestyle that you can just meet all your desires, that's the chief achievement. But I think the company that we keep in normalizing that these ideas is really important. And I want to say that Proverbs talks about this in one context, but I'd like to apply it to another one. So Proverbs chapter 23 starting in verse 19, says, Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Do not be among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. And so here is the admonition to this son from a king, that there are certain kinds of people that he shouldn't be among. People who are drunkards, people who are gluttons. And he said the reason is that these lifestyles will lend toward poverty. Now, we know and we've talked about that there are results of these kind of leftist choices that are more destructive than even poverty and rags. But I think that it's possible that this admonition is not just people that we go and hang out with and involve with, but I think it also has to do with the voices that we listen to. It's the music that we pipe into our brains. It's the, the accounts that we follow on social because we put those images of their life in front of our face. And even if we're not consciously saying this is the standard, this is desirable, our brain associates positive images of those lifestyles with happiness and success in this fear of missing out. And we subconsciously are drawn to that. Do you think it's fair to make that application to this passage? I, I think so. Um, we, we see that social media is largely the town square now, the public square. And it's, well known to us, those to whom you give your attention are going to have an impact on you. Um, I, I see this regularly. You know, often the people you see the most on social media are just the loudest and also the most extreme of any given side of a, a topic. Yeah. And that can have an effect on you where either, you know, you're raw, raw, yeah, they're right, or you're in despair because you think people have just lost their minds and it's it's just so extreme and, and largely it's that's not the case. But right. there's a reason that social media is free because they're they're throwing advertisements in front of you all the time. 
And so on this idea of distraction, what you're putting in front of your face, not just the advertisements, but the people you follow, we've, we've got to really check ourselves. And while I think it is fair to, to say that's the case, I think, well, I guess it depends on how much time we spend on social media. For me, it's the people that I'm around that have a bigger impact, but I'm down to just Twitter and I largely just follow a bunch of farmers and market guys. So, and I guess the thing I've seen the most, the most recently is the religious Twitter, which is something else entirely. So it's a different animal to be sure. But if we start trying to follow the counsel of scripture about the people that we choose to um, associate with and the things that we choose to fill our minds with. And then we start telling people, no, I'd rather not go. No, I don't want to do. People think it's weird. And so kind of as we pivot to close first Peter chapter four, starting in verse one kind of encapsulates this idea. He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh so everything that we're fixing to read is all predicated upon the fact that Jesus Christ spent a lifetime of self-denial and suffering, right? And then he says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to not live the rest of the time of the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With this respect, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And I think we've probably all had an experience like that. Yeah. Jesus says, we're done. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. If we're trying to be a servant of Christ, we need to understand that that part of our life is it's over and it's time not to live for ourselves, but the rest of our time for God. And so people don't understand that by and large. So consider what's said about Jesus here. And, and yes, he suffered in the flesh, but one of the things we've talked about on this episode is focus. Hmm. And we see Jesus exist in the flesh with a singular purpose from the time he was very young to do the will of the father. I will be 37 this year. So I have lived longer than it's traditionally believed that Jesus lived traditionally accepted that Jesus lived. And I look at my life and what I've accomplished in comparison to what he accomplished and the lives he touched is, is what I'm talking about there. And I'm, I'm blown away because of what he was able to do without a telephone, without a car, without the internet. And it was his passion and his singular focus to do the will of the father that drove him. These, these other distractions were 
were out of mind because he was so focused on doing the will of God. And I love what Paul says here. I love the way the ESV renders it, the flood of debauchery. Mm-hmm. And I guess living where I live, I'm, I'm a lot closer to mountains than water. So I, I would generally think of it as an avalanche. But it, it does seem overwhelming when that's your focus. And going back to our Proverbs passage, we're going to conform. It's It's hard to stand out alone. And so if our focus is to fit in with worldly people, they're going to have an impact. Yeah. And Proverbs tells us the end of those people. Jesus tells us the end of those people. Paul tells us the end of those people. So when you have this many warnings, maybe we should pay attention and understand that this isn't our purpose. We have a purpose, and it's not living in sensuality and passions. This time has passed, but we should arm ourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ lived, and that's that singular purpose of how can I please the Father? Right on, brother. Yeah, it's hard because we have those distractions like you talked about, but... This passage teaches us that adopting the mind of Christ is a weapon that we use to fight back against those distractions. And so I believe we can use that to frame our perspective. So I think that's a good way to to finish on that. Jared, thank you very much for that uh, kind of summary. We're going to continue at least for one more week. We've got one more take heed statement to go. I'm not going to say what it is right now because we may get that guest uh guest host that I talked about a a week or two ago. So appreciate your patience on that. We're still trying to get the details firmed up on that. Uh, And we may have another guest the week after that. So we will see what we can get going on here, but we appreciate everyone listening. We appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about these things. We hope it's been a blessing. We hope that it helps you to serve Christ better. And we hope that you'll, If it has been a blessing that you'll share it with someone that you care about and tell them about the good content that you enjoy on the Brother Cousins podcast. We always like to end with a prayer. I think it's my turn this week, so I'll pray this out. Take us home. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your blessings upon us. We thank you that we live in a time and in a culture where even though we do work and labor hard for the things that we earn, that many things come so easily to us. Lord, we give you thanks for the conveniences that give us time back in our day, that make our lives comfortable. Father, we pray most of all that we would not allow these things to become a trap, but that we would use the extra bandwidth and time that we have, the extra strength that we have from these conveniences that we would serve you, and that we would use the extra that we have to be a blessing to those who are in lack. Lord, we pray that you would help us to focus on what really matters and not get distracted by the cravings of the flesh, but you would be the object of our worship, our attention, our love, and the purpose of our life. 
Lord, we pray that we can take these truths and be good examples to our neighbors, that we can be good examples to our children and our brothers and sisters in the church. Help us to live in a way that aligns with your highest purpose and best will for our lives, Lord, and forgive us of the times where we have not done so. We pray that you would continue to bless us as we conform ourselves to the likeness of your Son. And Father, we pray all these things through the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.